Come on, you know what we do? We give Jesus some praise. Come on, church. Come on, it's Monday night, and you're in church. So awesome. Come on, lift your hands towards heaven. Lord, we thank you. We didn't come here for a man. We came here, Lord God, for you. Our eyes are on you, Lord. I know there are people here, Father, that they need a miracle. They need a physical miracle, a relational miracle, an emotional miracle. Lord, I cannot promise them a miracle, but we can turn to you and believe you for a miracle. And Lord, I just sense that you have divinely placed everybody here at this time, those that are watching online. I thank you, Lord God, right now in the name of Jesus, Lord God, that, that L.A. is watching, Seattle, Rochester, Tampa, the Bahamas, Modesto, Corona, Orlando, Portland, Oregon. I thank you, Lord God, for the Czech Republic, for San Diego, for Atlanta, Georgia. My God, the whole world is logging in right now, Lord. Thank you for Las Vegas, Nevada that is watching right now. Say this with me. Say, Jesus, you're here, and anything can happen. I expect something big from you in my life. Bless me so I can be a blessing. Send me into all the world. That begins at my job, my school, my neighborhood, even at Chick-fil-A. In Jesus' name. Come on, somebody said amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I'm well aware that it is a school night, and I asked that I would get up early so we can preach and then pray for people, and we could uh, make sure you get out at a reasonable time. That's what I'm saying right now. I have three, I have books that are left. I just want to give these three out. I didn't even bring this one. It's called Both And Ministering in Between Life Extremes. And so I uh, just want to encourage, I'm going to give it to uh, Pastor. If you can, you can get, you're the one that's going to get people mad at you. You're going to get to give a book to, one book to whoever you want to. And uh, those books will really bless, bless somebody, you know, out there. And uh, you just need to look desperate as pastors walking by you, you know. And just say, yeah, Pastor, that's 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 mine, Pastor. Give it, give it to me. So now, now you get offended at Pastor, not me. Praise the Lord. And uh, I, I got to be honest with you, I'm shocked at the, at the at this. Is this the first time you've ever done a Monday night meeting like this? Oh, thank you for turning on, turning on those lights. Come on, can you give yourselves a big hand clap for coming to church on a Monday? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I'm, I'm uh, reminded that when God begins to move, and I don't know, Pastor said something when he was up here, and something in my spirit just kind of just leapt inside of me, and I remembered with the guy that, that was by the pool, and, and it says every time that the angel came and, 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 and disturbed the waters, the first one that got in, come on, got healed, that there was a moving of the waters, and uh, Jesus comes on the scene and says, um, hey, man, do, do you want to be healed? And the guy goes, well, you know what? Every time the water moves, somebody gets in, you know, ahead of me. And, but that's not the question that Jesus asked him. Jesus asked him, do you want to be made well? Immediately he goes, well, everybody else gets it before I get it. What Jesus was trying to get him to look at was, it's not about the moving of the water. It's the one who's asking you. And he kept saying, well, I don't have a man to help me, and, and I don't have this person to help me. And, and I'm here to tell you that, that I don't have to pray for you to get healed tonight. I'll try this section. I don't have to give you a word. Come on, for you to be encouraged tonight. That... In just a little bit of time, we're going to have people that are going to come and pray for you. And they're going to be, they are anointed. Come on, they're going to give you a word. 
They're going to believe you. In fact, I think we had, I don't know, at least 18 people get healed last night. And the crazy thing is, is I didn't lay hands on anybody. That's the cool thing. So I, people always say, well, are, are you a healer? And I said, no, I'm a Mexican. I'm not a healer. I hang out with the healer. Come on, we hang out with the healer. Come on, we worship a healer. We worship a hope giver. And so I want to encourage you tonight, you know, whether or not God gives me a word for you, uh, that you would just believe that Jesus himself is going to do a work in and through uh, your life. Uh, I want to just say thank you again to Pastor. Thank you again to his family. Um, aren't you grateful that how many years ago, Pastor, did, did you guys come? Eleven and a half years ago, you started a Bible study in your home. Is that right? And who would ever thought in such a short time, look what God has done. Come on, Higher Vision Church. Come on, let's show our love. Let's show our love to Pastor. Come on to the pastors. That's Devette and Jared. Come on. Come on. We love you. Thank you. Come on. God's using them. Can I... This is my last night, so no matter what I say, I, I'm flying out. So it's so cool now. I feel I feel liberty now. He's I just gonna do whatever I want, and I know I'm leaving town, baby. Yeah. Let me tell you. I want you all to look at me just for a second. Okay, if you could turn on my monitors just a little bit, because uh, I'm, I'm gonna I'm blowing my voice out, not because of your my issue, and I've been preaching a lot lately, and I'm looking forward to just staying home in Vegas for just a a couple of days. Um. Being a lead pastor of a church is the greatest calling if God calls you to do it. You will experience the greatest pleasure and the greatest pain. I often say church would be great if it wasn't for the people. You're all laughing because the ones that bring you the most pain, come on, are people that are close to you. And so I just want you to encourage, I want to encourage you to pray for your pastors. Come on, pray for their family. Come on, pray for their children. Come on, pray for their finances. Come on, pray for their marriage. Come on, pray for their health. Pray for every area of their life. Because the Bible says this way, if you strike the shepherd, the sheep will scatter. So, so, so the real target in the church would be the leadership in the church. I have faced the biggest battles I've ever fought in my life when I started a church in Las Vegas. I have faced the biggest battles in my life in every sphere of my life. And even today, getting, getting those, those, those great emails right before I have to preach that were so discouraging to me. And my wife always telling me, don't open up the email, you know, before you get up to preach. But I'm ready to say, no matter what the enemy throws against us, come on, it's not gonna end up prospering in the end because our God is for us. Come on, he's not against us. If you believe it, give God a big hand clap right now. Come on, just do that. Turn to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 3. Let's get into the Word. Acts chapter 3, and uh, I, I'm going to do, do my best to get this in Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3, we're going to begin at verse 1. We're going to read verses 1 through verse 10. I'm going to be give, give a big shout out to my wife, Wendy Perez, that's watching right now. Come on, show her some love. Show her some love, folks. Hey, babe, if you're watching because you said you were, go ahead and text me right now. Just text me right now, babe. I'll put this right. I'm not going to preach until you text me. I'm waiting. I know, but I want her to text me. If it's a long night, it's because my wife didn't text me. Okay, I believe that you're watching. Text me. All right. 
turn this off for a second. There we go. And Bella, Benaya, and BJ, Daddy's coming home tomorrow. I'm coming home tomorrow. So we're going to hang out. We're going to party. Acts chapter 3, beginning verse 1. Now, Peter and Juan. Sorry, I have a bilingual Bible. Now, Pedro and Juan. We're going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. Somebody say the ninth hour. Say it stronger, the ninth hour. Any man lame from birth. Well, he was lame from when? From what? Lame from when? Since what? A man lame from birth was being carried with whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the what? Say it louder, the what? Beautiful gate to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. Somebody say, look at us. Touch your neighbor and say, neighbor, look at us. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you better just look at him up on the stage. Just tell him that right now. Look at us, and he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but I do have, come on somebody, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and his ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking, watch this, and leaping, watch this, and praising God. Somebody say, walking, leaping, and praising. Say it again. Say, walking, leaping, and praising. Say this when they say, there is a process. So you have to understand something. When God begins something, it is the process of what he wants to do in your life. You got to walk, then you leap, come on, and then you praise. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Let me just keep reading a few verses, even if you don't have it back there. And while he clung to Peter and John, the people utterly astounded ran to the to ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people. Now watch this. Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? And why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety or holiness we have made him walk? No, the God of Abraham. Come on. The God of Jacob and the God of Isaac. Watch me. The God of our fathers glorified his servant Jesus whom he delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he decided to release him. But you denied the Holy One and Righteous One and asked for murder to be granted to him. And you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To uh, this we are witnesses. And watch. I love this. Verse 16. And his name, by faith in his name, has made, ma- has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord God, for the next about 23 minutes. God, you're going to speak something incredible to everybody. I thank you, Lord God, that you brought everybody here by divine appointment and those that are watching online, Lord, all over America. And we thank you for it. Come on, in Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen. Thank you, my brother. I really appreciate it. Please write down the title of the message uh, tonight on this Monday night. And the title of the message is, It's Time to Get Up. It's time to... Um, get up. Uh, have you ever been sitting for a long time and you find out that all of a sudden you try and get up and you get the tingly feelings all over your legs? Have you ever sat someplace for a long time and it feels like your knees get frozen in place? Come on. Right? Whether it's at a football game, a Dodger game, or someplace. I've literally sat places, and I've literally sat there for two hours, and when you try and get up, it's like all of a sudden you're just a little bit stiff, and, and you've been in that position for so long that it's a little bit difficult when you start to change position. That's going to happen tonight as I preach for the next two and a half hours. No, I'm not. 
I, I want you to understand that what is taking place in the book of Acts chapter 3 is a very significant uh, moment in the New Testament church. If you look at the book of Acts chapter 1, Jesus now has resurrected from the dead. And Jesus now has for 40 days and 40 nights been now talking about the kingdom. And he's appeared to around 500 people. And now Jesus calls his disciples and says, guys, I want you to go to Jerusalem. Because what's going to happen is you're going to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. You're going to receive the gift of the Father, which is the Holy Spirit. And you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. Come on into the ends of the earth, right? So in Acts chapter 180, he declares that, and all of a sudden the Bible says that Jesus now is taken up into heaven, and an angel shows up and says, why are you looking up to heaven? The same way this Jesus has ascended to heaven is one day he's going to come back like that. And so they go now in Acts chapter 2, and they go to the upper room, and it is now the day of Pentecost. And on the day of Pentecost, after being in the upper room for 10 days, what happens is that heaven now makes a sound, and it says there was a sound. Uh, like a mighty rushing wind, and there was like tongues of fire over every individual, and they all begin to speak in other tongues, come on, as the Spirit gave them utterance. Interesting to know that the Holy Spirit, tongues of fire, came on every single one. Let me make it clear to you, I'm not more anointed than you. Yeah, try this section over here. I am not more special I am not more anointed. I am not more gifted. No, everybody who's a follower of Jesus, come on, has an anointing of the Holy Spirit on their life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if we're not careful, what we actually think is, oh, the anointed people are on the platform. Oh, the anointed one is the person playing the guitar or playing the drums, and those are the real anointed people. No, this is my gift that is on the platform. But your anointing and my anointing has been given by the same Holy Spirit, and that's why on the day at Pentecost, read your Bible, it says everyone received tongues of fire on them. Everyone began to speak in a language that God gave them. Now, let me just say it to you this way. On the day of Pentecost, it says they came out of the upper room and they began to speak in the tongues of men. I believe to be really spirit-filled and really being filled with the Spirit it's not just a sign of speaking another language, and I speak in tongues, and I believe it is biblical. I believe that everybody, if it's a gift, come on, should receive a gift, right? That's like, how silly would it be? I want to give you a gift. Nah. Let me tell you something. You can give me any gift. I'll take it. If it's the wrong size, I'll go, I'll go back to Nordstrom's. Come on and get the right size. If it's something I don't like, I'll tell you, thank you, and I'll go exchange it for something I do like. I mean, listen, if God wants to give gifts, it's just logical that we should receive every gift that God wants to give us. And by the way, can I just say this? We have to change our mentality. Because some of you actually think God isn't giving gifts. Listen, you actually think that you've got to earn and deserve. If you have to earn and deserve something, it is not a gift, it's a payment. So when he says you're going to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, he doesn't say you have to earn it, deserve it, work for it, wail for it, cry out for seven hours for it. You don't have to. I actually believe that at this altar, that if you want to receive the gift of speaking in tongues, that there's going to be somebody that's going to say, you want that gift? And you're going to say, yep. And they're going to say, are you ready? Yep. And they're going to lay their hands on you, and out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water, and you will be filled with the Spirit. Ooh, I feel something already. But I want to just maybe just add something to this before we get to chapter 3. Because in Acts chapter 2, when they came out of the upper room, they spoke in the language of men. Could it be to be really spirit-filled? Is it just speaking in tongues? Is it just the nine gifts of the Spirit? But we actually can now have the Spirit of God in us that helps us now penetrate and change and speak the language of culture. So everything that we see here is spirit-filled. 
You say, how is that spirit filled? How is it having an LED wall spirit filled? Because we're trying to communicate the gospel. Come on to a culture. And everything about is it's spirit-filled. To be really spirit-filled is that now I'm able to go out into culture. I'm able to speak to culture. I'm able to impact culture. I'm able to bring change to culture because I have, come on, the power of the Holy Spirit. So they, so they come out of the upper room, right? And who gets up to preach? His name is Pedro. You know him as Peter. But Peter gets up to preach. And what happens? Peter gets up to preach before Peter denied Jesus when he was hanging by himself. Now on the day of Pentecost, he gets filled with the Spirit with about 120. He comes out of the upper room, stands up, and it says, and Peter stood up. And here's what the text says, with the 11. G uh, Peter had his 11 friends that were we're backing him up. Listen to me. You were not meant to live the Christian life outside of community. Listen, my friends, you need to be in a circle. I said you need to be in a circle. You need to be in a relationship with other people. Why? Because it's a biblical, and when you have people standing with you, you can stand stronger together than by yourself. That's a good place to clap real, real strong right there. Well, you know, I just, I, just, I just feel so weak. I feel so weak. I'm so weak. I'm weak. Join the club, Jethro. <laughs> All of us, even the young men, shall grow weary. Even the young men shall stumble and fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. But you can't do it. By yourself. I'm telling you, my friends, even Batman had Robin. Are you with me? So what happens? He come out of the upper room, right? And Peter gets and preached, and all this stuff begins to happen. Now we're in Acts chapter 3, okay? So Acts chapter 3, it says this. It says that Peter and John, now watch, were going to a prayer meeting. Now why is it significant? Because Peter and John are the exact opposites. It's interesting that the Bible says there's Peter and there's John. Peter was the one that denied Jesus at the cross, and John was the one, come on, that was with Jesus at the cross. I believe that God is showing us that even though one seemingly failed and one seemingly did not, he can still use both types of people. Notice that they're going together. You will not see people in the Word doing life by themselves. Listen to me. One is good, but two will put 10,000 to fly. It says one, two, and a threefold cord, come on, is not easily broken. And so we've got to stay in community. We have to be men and women that are now doing life together. Peter and John are going to the place of prayer. They're going to a church meeting. And what happens on the way to the church meeting? They meet a man that the Bible says, listen to this, was lame since birth. This man had known only one way of life since the day he was born. He could actually say, I was born this way. He could actually make a statement that this is the way I have been since the beginning of my life. He had been carried to the temple the beautiful gate, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, being carried to this place called the beautiful gate. Now, let me explain this to you. As I begin to study this, uh, most scholars would say that there were 10 gates leading into the temple. So you had 10 different gates going into this temple. And there was a particular gate called the beautiful gate. The reason why they called it the beautiful gate is because this gate was an unusual gate. It was a different gate. Some scholars think that this gate was covered with Corinthian bronze. This gate was so massive and so heavy and so huge, it would take about 20 men to open the gate and 20 men to close the gate. Now, the Corinthian bronze was, was fashioned in such a way that... that some scholars I studied this said that this gate was covered with this bronze and they polished it and polished it that it literally would become like a mirror. That you could actually look in, uh, look at the gate 
and see your reflection in that gate. Now, why is this significant? Because you have to hear what I, I believe that this is actually trying to teach us. Because this, a man who is lame since birth, he was now strategically being placed at that gate. He was placed at that gate, never able to go into the temple because of his lameness. Not able to go in Come on, because of his affliction. That's why in other part of Scripture, you see a man with a shriveled hand, and he's actually hiding his trouble. Let me choose it this way. He's actually hiding his struggle. Because he couldn't go into the temple, he couldn't go into church, God forbid that people would actually know that he had a struggle. That's why Jesus looked at the man with the shriveled hand, and he says, stretch out your hand. Retranslation, stretch out your struggle. Because if you would stretch out your struggle, there's a God that would heal. Come on, your struggle. It's good preaching. Let me retranslate this for you. You're only a sick as your secrets. Ooh. Ooh, I got to go down there and amen me right now. That was so good. But watch, isn't that like us? Isn't that like us? We kind of hide our stuff. We kind of hide our stuff. I wonder what they would think if they really knew. Oh, we know. See, the problem is you don't think anybody knows. But you're at a church. You're at a great church called Higher Vision. That we want you, come on somebody, to stretch out your struggle. We, we want you to come here and join the rest of us that are, that are not perfect. Join the rest of us that are in process. Join the rest of us that actually know that we need Jesus more today than the first time we came to Jesus Christ. Join a church, come on somebody, join a revival that's going to point you to the one that can heal you, deliver you, give you hope, give you a future. So watch. Day after day, this man is brought to this place called the beautiful temple. Just think, this man laid every day by the gate leading into the church, but never taking the church. So while he laid by the gate, what would he see? He would see his reflection. He would see his reflection day after day, week after week. What reflection did he see? He saw a reflection, watch this, of dysfunction and lameness. Every day he sat there, I could see this, I could see this, I was praying today, and I just said, God, and I'm on, literally by my, my bedside in my hotel room today, and I was praying, and I knew I was supposed to preach this message, and I said, Lord, let me be able to convey, convey what I believe was really happening there, as that man is laying there, and I could see this beautiful gate showing him not so beautiful reflection. He's there looking and the Bible says he's begging for alms. He's begging for alms. And he's looking at his dysfunction. He's looking at his lameness. And I don't know what he's thinking, but I know what I would be thinking. Why is my life like this? If God is so good, then why am I like this? Why do I have to sit at this beautiful gate looking at myself when people get to go into the church? I'm here to tell you this is a prophetic picture of many people in society, that they may not say it, but this is what they feel like. Listen, I want to go into that church, but I'm not really attractive. I'm not really all together, but I'm going to tell you, I don't know who I'm talking to tonight, but you have come to the right church. You have come, come on, to the right place. He's, he's there. He's there, and my question to you is the purpose of the gates of the church. What is our purpose? To have people see their reflection that is filled with their affliction, or could the church, this church, this community of faith, not just be here for people to see their reflection, but just maybe someone else's reflection? Just, just, 
Just maybe somebody else's reflection. Just maybe, maybe just redirecting, come on, your gaze and, and you're realizing something. You know what? Yeah, I have this issue. Yes, I have this problem. Yes, I'm dealing with this mental thing. Yes, I'm dealing with this identity thing. Yes, I'm dealing with this. And I'm here to tell you, you don't have to sit looking at yourself in the beautiful gate because now Jesus is about to come by through, through, through two men named Peter and John. I, I tell you, wherever I go, I hear this all the time. You know how many times I sat down with somebody and they say this, I used to go to church. Have you ever actually talked to people? I used to go to church. Okay, bro. Because the typical response is, what do you mean used to? What's wrong with you? And this is what I tell them. I say, wow, really? Tell me what happened. Tell me what happened. And then I'm just quiet. And they start pouring out their stuff. And it usually goes like this. Well, I used to go to church, but then I got hurt. And they tell me about it. Well, it could have been the preacher. It could have been somebody in the church. And, and I used to be really defensive before. It's like, well, there must be something wrong with you. you know. But I begin to realize I've been hurt in church. And I'm the pastor of the church. <laughs> Come on, say amen, right? You know what I'm talking about? Has anybody ever experienced some challenges in church? Can I see your hand? Can I see your hand? How many of you would agree with me that life would, like church would be so much better if it didn't have people? Come on, raise your hand. So why would God allow a bunch of imperfect people to get together? Because he doesn't want you to keep looking at your reflection. He doesn't want you to keep looking, come on, at somebody else's reflection. Because the reason why we gather at our church and the reason why we worship is to take our eyes, come on, off ourselves, to take our eyes off our problems, to take our eyes off our dysfunction, to take our eyes off this stuff. Why are we here on a Monday night? I'm not that good to be here on a Monday night, but Jesus is that good. That's why you're here on a Monday night. Because God, I feel something now. Oh, no, God is that good. Jesus is that good. He is that awesome. He is that incredible. If we just get a glimpse of Jesus. This man is there. Watch me. He's there. And the Bible says this, that now he is just there and he's trying to get by every day. He's not believing for anything different. He's just begging to get by. This is my lot in life. I was born this way. Nothing is going to change. He has gone from believing to begging. And now he's begging for money just to survive. I'm going to tell you, God told me this, and I'm going to say it because I live first thing in the morning. Get rid of your begging spirit. If you are a son or daughter of God, get rid of that begging spirit. Listen to me. If God wanted slaves, he would have sent a slave. If God wanted soldiers, he would have sent a soldier. But God wanted sons and daughters, so he sent a son. God help me. God help me. So, I'm a son. Listen, by birth, you can't be a son or daughter unless you're born again. You are created in the image of God. But you're not part of the family of God until you become born again. The gospel is not morality on steroids. It's not God's trying to make bad people good. That is not the gospel. That's morality. In fact, there are some other religions that they're more moral than us. No, I mean they ride bikes, have ties, knock on doors, have lots of kids, got the right part, swooped over. They're like saints. But let me tell you something, we are saved 
Come on, by faith. Saved by grace through faith, not of our works. Unless any man or woman should. I asked one person, I asked one person not too long ago. I said, hey, hey, how do you think, how do you think uh, people go to heaven? Typical response. Well, good people go to heaven. I'm like, nope. They're like, what? No, no, because good is not the way God judges things. That's the way we do it, right? Because of this is what I do. You know, I'm a good person. No, when I say I'm a good person, I'm comparing myself to a serial killer. Come on, say amen. I'm not comparing myself, God bless her, to Mother Teresa. Right? So, so what we do is we always find somebody that's better than us. Amen. Because I'm not that bad. So I'm good. Because we think, we think it's a good, bad thing. It's, it's like God makes bad people good. That is not biblical. I said that's not biblical. I know I'm throwing somebody off. Like, oh, my God, then why am I being good? Because <laughs> you'll get arrested. Come on now. Haven't you seen the show, Bad Boy, Bad Boy? What you're going to do when they come from you? Okay. Some of you don't watch the TV very much. So if the gospel is not bad to good, then what is it, Pastor? Very easy. The gospel is going from dead to alive. So let me help you out. Let me help you out. There are degrees of good, no question about it. I mean, I'm at the highest degree. Some of you are not even registering. I won't look at anybody on the front row. I'm just saying right now. Right? Because, and there, there's degrees of, like, for instance, there's degrees of burn. There's a first-degree burn. Come on. Second-degree burn, right? Third-degree burn. Isn't it successful? It gets worse and worse, right? Right. Have you noticed there's no degree of dead? For, are you first-degree dead? Second-degree dead. Third-degree dead. Which dead are you? Right? There, there, is no, there is no degrees of dead. Last time I checked, you're dead, you're dead. So the Bible says this way. It says, you were once dead in your trespasses and sins. But now, watch me, he has made you alive. Come on, with somebody, through Christ. And so now... The gospel is, I was once dead. Come on, somebody, but now I'm alive. I'm alive in Christ. I'm alive by his grace. I'm alive by his power. And now watch me, because I'm alive to God. Good works flow out of salvation. They don't flow for salvation. This is good preaching. You got to give God a big hand clap right now, because I'm helping some of you out. So, so all of a sudden now we realize that now this man at the beautiful gate keeps seeing himself, keeps seeing his dysfunction, and now he begins to beg, 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 beg. I'm going to tell you, God says to quit begging me if you are a son or a daughter and start believing me as a son or daughter. My kids, do not beg, Dad, can we eat food? I go to make Costco runs. I only go, I'm going to spend 50 bucks, and I spend 450 going to Costco. I don't know how that big warehouse saves me money. But I'm telling you what, man, my kids are grubbing all the time. Come on, parents, are you with me? I know, where are you going, BJ? Uh, Dad, I'm hungry. You're 16. You just ate five minutes ago. They don't beg me. I'm their dad. I provide for them. Now, when they start acting a little weird, and they said, I'm going to my room. I said, that ain't your room. That ain't your room. That's my room I'm lending to you. Well, I'm just going to go and lay on my bed. That ain't your bed. That's my bed. By the way, that food you're eating, it ain't your food. It's my food. You know that little phone you got that you keep saying it's my phone? Give me my phone. I, that's my phone. I, 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 listen, I could go ghetto on, on my kids. I can. 
Because ultimately, watch me, I do own everything. Aren't you glad God doesn't go ghetto on you? Let me try this. I know it's a Monday. You're tired, but it's okay. It's like, God, I just want to tell you something, God. I mean, really? You want me to give 10% of my money? God's like, your money? God speaks to you to go pick up somebody. In God, you want, somebody, you want me to pick up somebody in my car and use my gas? I could see God in heaven. Gabriel, should I go ghetto on him? I don't know if I should go ghetto on him. <laughs> they actually think that it's all of theirs. How funny that is, because everything belongs to God. The earth is the Lord's, come on, in the fullness thereof. 90% doesn't belong to me. 100% belongs to God. I don't, I'm, I'm hitting all kinds of things because I'm leaving. <laughs> Peter and John, as he get ready to land the plane. Peter and John, look at him. And here's what they say. They say, look at us. The man begins to beg, believing for some money. The man begins to beg, watch me now, thinking that they're going to receive. He's going to receive something just to get by. And why does Peter make the declaration, look at us? The implication is that this man must turn away from what he was looking at. I actually believe that Peter is saying to him and saying to us, take your eyes off yourself. Quit gazing at your reflection that you see when you look at the church. The church is meant not to reflect your image, but to redirect your gaze to another image, an image that is greater than your broken image of yourself, an image that is greater than your sin, sickness, depression, discouragement, and that image, my friend, is nothing more than Jesus Christ. An image that is greater than your attitude of just getting by. Hebrews 12, 2 says, fixing your eyes, come on, on Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. And Peter has the audacity to say, quit looking at yourself. Look at us. I'm going to tell you this. You need to hear me. People do not magically see Jesus. They see Jesus through you. Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. Paul says that you are living epistles. Come on, being read by all men. That, that, that your life, people will see Jesus through your life. Look at us. And he looks at them expecting to receive something to just get them by for another day. But what does Peter do? Peter says, I don't have any silver or gold. And people have taken this and say, see that? You can't have any silver or gold. See that? The disciples are poor. It's just like he probably just went to Chick-fil-A, paid all that money, and he doesn't have anything right now. He didn't have his debit card with him. Do not build the theology of no silver and gold and try and place it on the church. We need more silver and gold so we can reach a dying and hurting world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the purpose of it. And what happens as I end? It says this, as he began now to look at him, look what Peter says. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. Peter says that Jesus ends your way of life of just getting by. It is time to get up. Come on, in Jesus' name. And Peter took him by the right hand and raised him up, and his feet and ankles were made strong. God used Peter and John to release a miracle into a man's life. And notice Peter declared healing over the man. He believed that Jesus had given him the power to release healing. This, this boggles my mind. As somebody comes back to the keyboards, this boggles my mind. Because I'm like, okay, what was so wrong with this guy? And it says, watch, in the text, it says that his ankle bones were strengthened. What am I trying to say? Sometimes it's the small Little things. Come on, that paralyzes you in your life. It's the small little phrase 
that was spoken over you when you were a kid. It was when the divorce was taking place and those nasty words were said over your life that nobody's going to love you. You're, you're good for nothing. You're ugly. And the, come on, those, those seemingly little words have actually now paralyzed you and you have not moved for years. Discouragement of why God hasn't done it yet has left you by the gate. I believed and I believed and I believed and seemingly I'm still by the gate. I've never heard anybody preach this message like this about the, the, the Corinthian bronze and, and the reflection and I, I felt like the Holy Spirit was making an emphasis to me in my own life. He says, Benny, Quit looking at your own ability. Quit looking at your talent. Quit looking because there's always somebody more talented than you. There, there's always somebody who's a better preacher than you. There's always somebody who's better than you. And the trap of ministry is comparison. Can I just retranslate? The, tra the trap of life, come on, is comparison. And what we do is we say, how come God you're doing it in their life and not in my life? And the enemy wants us, watch me, if we're not going to look at ourselves, he wants us to look at each other. Because if he could get us, watch, looking at ourselves or looking at each other, we miss out. Come on, looking unto Jesus. Come on, who is the author? Come on, and the finisher. Come on, of our faith. Does anybody want to look to Jesus tonight? Come on, does anybody online want to look to Jesus tonight? Does anybody in on Monday night outpouring part two, come on, want to look to Jesus tonight. And Peter reached down. We got to quit talking down and start reaching down. The church, we have to stop. Benny Perez has to stop talking down to people. And we need, come on, to start reaching down to people. The woman that was caught in adultery, you know the story, John, I think John chapter 10, somewhere around there, that, that she was caught in adultery by the religious leaders, caught in the very act. I mean, come on, bro. Like, how do you know where to find a woman in the very act? And where was the man? Like, if you came to Vegas, hey, Benny Perez, do you know where, you know, those kind of women are that are kind of doing the crazy stuff with some man right now? I said, oh, yeah. Yeah, Bellagio, room 536. You would be questioning me, like, how do you know? Where was the man? The man, what? I think he was one of their friends. They weren't really, really interested in justice. They were interested in condemnation. You know what Jesus does? Jesus, first thing that he does is he kneels down and starts writing and touching the dirt. God ain't not, is not intimidated. Come on, by your dirt. Jesus is not freaking out. Come on, somebody, about your dirt. Jesus is not going to like, what are you doing? Jesus writes, is now, starts writing on the ground. Starts writing. You know the word write? In the Greek there, it comes from the Greek word graphian. Let me retranslate that. Jesus is tagging. It's true. Jesus is the original tagger, man. You didn't even know. he. You thought he was Hebrew. He was Hispanic, man. I'm telling you right now. He without sin cast the first stone. That was funny. You should laugh, actually. That was really funny. The oldest from the youngest begin to leave. And then Jesus looks at her and says, hey, man, where are your accusers? She says, they're all gone. Neither do I accuse you or condemn you. Look at me. Go and sin no more. The power 
of no condemnation gave her the power to quit living in sin. He didn't say, go sin no more and then I won't condemn you. He gave her the gift of no condemnation, which empowered her to live a life. Come on, somebody overcoming sin. I got to land the plane. Hold steady for a second. There's, there's, hold steady for a second. Unless it's an emergency. Listen to me. He reaches down in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise and walk. In the power of God. He didn't, he didn't ask God, Lord, I pray that you would heal him. He declared healing over his life. I command in the mighty name of Jesus, you be healed. Rise up and walk. And he picked him up and he began to walk. Watch the progression. Leap and start praising, walking, leaping, and praising God. Everybody was blown away. Was not that the guy that was at the gate since he was born? And they were so taken back that all of a sudden Peter says, listen to me, it's not by my own piety or my own holiness that we made this man walk, but it is by faith in the name of Jesus that this man stands here today fully healed and whole by the name of Jesus Christ. So I want to tell you, we're done. We're done with the preaching. I want to tell you this part. We got about 14, 15 minutes. I want to tell you this part. It's time, whoever you are, to get up. It's time by the power, come on, of Jesus Christ to get up. It's time to let go of your effort, your ability, self-help, bootstrap theology and say, you know what? No, I've tried that. It doesn't work. That's why you came to the outpouring on a Monday night to hear in the name of Jesus Christ. It is time to rise up. Come on and walk. It is time to get up and to walk. It is time to get up and to walk. In the name of Jesus, you can get up and walk again, live again, dream again, love again, hope again. Come on, put your hands together. Come on, put your hands together, higher vision. Come on. Come on.